All right. Hello. Uh, good morning, and uh, welcome to Aquarium of the Pacific, um, and welcome Jordan High School. Yay. <laughs> thank, thank you very much for, for joining us. I was, uh, I was researching uh, your, your fine high school online, and I found out that uh, Gilligan from Gilligan's Island went there. Did everybody know that? Yeah, and uh, Warren G., right? Yeah, so it looks like they have some, some very uh, famous alumnus there, so I think you have a, all have a lot to be proud of. Uh, my name is Nate Jaros, and uh, I'm the curator of fish and invertebrates here at the aquarium, and uh, I work with the department that, that cares for, for the animals, and more specifically, all the animals that breathe underwater. And then uh, we have a, a whole department that cares for the mammals and the birds, but uh, that's my title. And um, I would, did want to take a minute just to make sure that everybody could flip off your cell phones, turn the ringers off, and uh, avoid texting. That would really be helpful. Thank you during the presentation here. <laughs> Um, this event is part of LA's month-long City of STEM Science Festival, um, and it highlights the careers in science uh, involving STEM and looking at the STEM paths that you may not think of uh, at the aquarium. Well, you may automatically go to uh, the marine biologists uh, had a STEM path and the, the, uh, some of the other people you may think of, but we have some people on our panel today who maybe took a pass that uh, that have jobs here at the aquarium that you wouldn't necessarily think of, and they're going to talk to talk to you about those today. <laughs> Running a world-class facility like Aquarium of the Pacific takes a huge number of employees and volunteers with a wide variety of skills and abilities. While most do not work directly with the animals, all of these staff share passion and dedication for our mission. I'd like to take a minute to introduce our panelists to you. We have... Erica Perez, first position here. She, Erica is Aquarium of the Pacific's account payable manager. She's representing the M in STEM or mathematics. Um, she's always had an interest in numbers. She's been with the aquarium for 20 years, which is impressive. And she does, she handles everything from inventory in the gift store to managing all of the invoices or all the payments that we make out to all of the vendors that, that, that help support the Aquarium of the Pacific as well. She's uh, part of our emergency operations center, which is an important part that you may also not think of, that if there was a disaster, it's really important for us to be able to get back on our feet right away, and, and a lot of that involves uh, the finances, so we can't operate without the financial element, and she has, she works on means of protecting those during uh, all events. Before Aquarium of the Pacific, Erica worked at Cerrito, the Cerritos College Bookstore in the accounting department, and she was also a teller at a credit union. I'd certainly be lost without Erica's help keeping track of budgets, and we all rely on Erica quite a bit. Jason is our second panelist, Jason Philpy. Jason is our app and in charge of app and web development here at the aquarium, and he's representing the T, and which is technology in STEM. He creates and he created and maintained Aquarium of the Pacific's visitor guide app in both iOS and uh, Android. He created marine and a marine aquaculture interactive app that's uh, at a kiosk by our Northern Preview exhibit, which is right by the coffee cart when you exit the theater. So be sure to check that out when you leave this event. And he's also in charge of uh, various web programming. Jason has been with Aquarium of the Pacific since 2010. He earned his bachelor's degree in philosophy from UCLA in 2009, and he returned to UCLA for a certificate in mobile app development in 2016. 
Jason work, Jason's work certainly connects our guests to the important values of our mission. And Alicia is our third representative. <laughs> Alicia Archer is our education programs manager. She's here to represent the S in science. Uh, she's been AOP's, she's been with AOP's education department since 2005. She currently manages school and public education programs and resources. These programs are varied and they include school field trips, sleepovers, whale watches, uh, programs with families, summer camps, video conferencing, and programs with teachers as well. She has her Bachelor of Science in Zoology from uh, Cal State Polytechnic University in Pomona, as well as her master's degree in Zoology from Miami University. Alicia and our education department team are the face of AOP, connecting with people with science every day. But I'd like to start, I have a series of questions that I'm gonna ask, and depending on time, I'll, I'll try to allow for all three of our panelists to, to answer. If we start, start to run short, I might take some volunteers. And at the end, we're gonna have plenty of time for you guys to ask questions to the panelists as well. First question, Erica, do you wanna take it first? Okay, is how did you end up in your, on your career path? Were you inspired by STEM topics at a young age? I actually, in high school, I really didn't participate with a lot of things. I would consider myself an introvert. I really don't like dealing with people. <laughs> but you're lucky I'm here. Now, um, math was very comforting for me. I was able to deal with math and be able to handle a lot with the numbers. And I felt very comfortable at my desk more than out with the public. So it was my comfort that led me to my profession. I love dealing with numbers. I love handling numbers. I love assisting other people who need help with numbers because not everybody likes numbers or paperwork. So it is very comforting for me to have that to help other people. I did it in high school by, with algebra. That was my best class I liked. And then from there, I worked in Cerritos doing the accounting, and then I ended up here at the aquarium which is pretty crazy because I didn't think uh, I would be able to have so much fun here. It's been great. Okay. Jason, same question. How did you end up on your career path and was STEM an influence on you at a young age? Um, well, at a, at a young age, I, I was really into like Legos and building and, and that sort of thing. Um, as I kind of progressed into college, I went a different route. I went to philosophy, which is nowhere near STEM. Um, but I kind of rediscovered uh, STEM at a, at a later age and kind of went back to my childhood where it was like building with Legos. Um, program, programming, app development is a lot like Legos where you're kind of building this thing from pieces, but you get to make the pieces like, like Legos. So I kind of went back and rediscovered all that and then really got into it and found my, my niche. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Alicia, same question. 
Yeah, so I was one of those kids that never stopped asking why to my parents. I'm sure that drove them crazy. So I've always been very curious, and I think that's the heart of, uh, you know, science, I think, is curiosity. And just being, just the love of outdoors, um, looking at things really closely, I've always, uh, you know, if I notice something out in a tree, my parents would be like, come inside. I'm like, no, I, I want to... I want to get my binoculars. I was that kid. I want to get my binoculars. I want to go chase that that lizard. You know, I want to go um, look at something a little bit closer. So I've always had a passion, and my parents were very supportive. They um, they signed me up to be a volunteer uh, right about your age at a at a, a zoo facility. So um, I used to live in Hawaii, and they they signed me up to um, volunteer at the Honolulu Zoo. And I always knew I wanted to work with animals. And it was, it was a job that was just helping to kind of clean some of the exhibits and talk with the public. Um, but I didn't know that I wanted to work at an aquarium. That was very different for me. So I went to college, and I thought, you know, I'm going to go study reptiles or birds. Um, like I said, big nerd. Uh, but I've always embraced that. And I started to work in a lab. I was paid to work in a lab and collect samples for um, a professor who was doing DNA analysis on chipmunks. And I started volunteering here at the aquarium, and I loved my shifts here at the aquarium a lot more than I liked working in the lab. And at the lab, I was, it was great, but I was by myself. And I was very shy as a kid. And I really opened up um, possibilities volunteering. So I'd recommend it, just try something new if you're going to volunteer somewhere. And I haven't really left. <laughs> I thought it was, oh, no, I'm still going to go. and and study this animal or that. But I came to realize that this is a profession. We call it an informal education. So there's formal education, which your teachers are part of. And then there, there's education that happens in informal spaces, such as zoos, aquariums, nature centers. And I had absolutely no idea that that was a career path. And I have been pleasantly surprised and continue to be challenged by this position and, and love every day. I've been here for almost 14 years. You. And we have one more panelist uh, who takes care of most of the equipment in our building, which often pulls him in a lot of different directions. But he is Chris Carr, and he is our aquatic life support manager. He's representing the E in STEM as an engineer. He leads a team of eight life support staff, which care for the aquarium 24 hours a day, every day of the year, including holidays. He has numerous duties, including maintaining life support systems, diving for repairs or inspection, maintaining proper water quality, designing and plumbing new filtration systems, and much, much more. Chris has been with the Aquarium of the Pacific since 2000, so that's really impressive. He's previously worked with the California Department of Fish and Wildlife and the Cabrillo Marine Aquarium. He graduated with a marine bio degree from Cal State University at Long Beach and with, uh, for Chris and his department, we certainly owe the health and well-being of all the animals here, and the, we have their hard work to thank for that. Um, let's welcome Chris Carr. Thank you, everyone. And we were just talking, Chris, about how each of the panelists ended up on their career path, if you want to talk about that, and if STEM influenced you at a young age. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, so I'm from Long Beach, um, never left, and uh, and. Uh, I used to go out all the time with my, with my parents, and, and we'd go fishing, and we'd go out on the boat, and we'd go out on the beach, and we'd go surfing, and, and I just had a love for marine life. Used to have fish tanks all the time when I was a kid. Uh, had a great marine biology teacher in high school uh, who actually told me not to become a marine biologist um, because I would be pumping gas at a gas station, <clears throat> which I thought was hilarious. 
Um, I loved it so much, uh, I started helping him uh, in his lab, um, and then I liked marine biology so much, I got my degree in marine biology. I uh, started working in the marine lab at Cal State Long Beach, uh, where we'd go out on the boats to collect animals, and then we'd end up fixing the boats, and then we'd have to take care of the life support, take care of the fish in the marine lab, and I started um, volunteering at Cabrillo Aquarium in San Pedro, uh, cutting up fish to feed on the weekends, and then they hired me as an aquarist. Uh, I loved the marine life so much the whole time, and then uh, my, my interest started shifting a little bit from the animals to what took care of the animals behind the scenes. What it took to really take care of the animals that you're taking out of nature and you want them to be just as comfortable in, in your house or in a lab as they are outside. And you're trying, to, you're trying to produce that as best you can. That really intrigued me. And then working with all the equipment at uh, Cabrillo Aquarium um, really got me into wanting to do more of that. Um, so I got into life support here at the Aquarium of the Pacific and never looked back. It's, it's uh, really rewarding uh, seeing actually in the tank uh, what, what we're doing. So that's, uh, that's why I got into this. Thank you. All right, thank you. My, my path wasn't that different than Alicia and Chris's. I, uh, I just kept aquariums, kept everything, reptiles, whatever I found outside, I would bring it in and try to keep it. And uh, I just classified that as a hobby, you know, at a young age. And this is not a, an option for a career. And I uh, went to college and started studying other things and, uh, and kind of just happy accident, found my way back into this, discovered, hey, this is a possibility. I can do something that I would do for free for a career, which is a wonderful thing, and I enjoy my job every day. Um, I think it's, uh, it's important to me. Erica, do you want to talk about what type of education and training you had to pursue? Sure. Of course, I graduated from high school, Santa Fe, and it's in Santa Fe Springs. I had honors all the way up from 9th to 12th, and I went to Cerritos College, of course, and got my AA, and just working there also helped out a lot. It kept me busy, kept me working on the numbers, made sure I learned how to be more organized in time. It's all about timing when it comes to the bills. I have to pay the bills, so I have to pay for life support stuff, I have to pay for the water, the lights, the water bill. <laughs> um, it's keeping track of all that and keeping organized and knowing how to keep all that together is what was showing me now. I make sure that keeping all those bills, it, it gets a little difficult when you're working with a lot of people that don't do paperwork, but all the experience that I had at Cerritos and I went to Cal State Fullerton and volunteered there with the administration office and learned a lot of opportunities to be able to show and teach other staff members how to help my job to keep everything more organized. I had an education up to calculus. Trig was not my thing. I did that class over three times. Thank God I don't do trig now. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just focusing on what you like to do a lot better than what you expect to do. This is not what I expected to do, but I love it. I love working with the numbers. I, I love paper. Paper cuts are horrible. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it is fun. Uh, a lot of education in, at Cal State was 
Also learning how uh, to handle people and talk with people. So I took speech. Doesn't look like I took speech now because I'm so nervous. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's also dealing with, with people and making sure that they can help you help them. Okay. And uh, Erica, you could, uh, there's a version of the finance, financial jobs at every company. Do you enjoy being a part of the aquarium and supporting the mission? Oh, most definitely. I love working here. I love making sure that everything is taken care of, paperwork-wise, of course. <laughs> um, it just it makes me happy to know that even though you don't think you're a part of the aquarium by working in the back behind the scenes, you're most definitely part of it. You're most definitely in the mix with everyday uses of, of items that need to be purchased, that need to be transferred. Um, also, I work with the gift store. And once you got, if you guys have a chance to go check it out, it's very nice. I work with their inventory items. I make sure that the bills get paid to make sure we get our items in, and also with the warehouse to make sure that the process of inventory is successful and we're not short or over on any items. So it is fun. Everything correlates. Everything comes together as one big item helping each other within the aquarium. And that's what I like. Okay. Thank you. Jason, do you want to summarize what type of education one would need to do what you do? Um, yeah. So I, ideally, you would go to school for computer science or software engineering. Um, I took a little bit of a non-traditional route, which is I started in by just wanting to build apps and games with my friends. So in order to do that, I just kind of went online and found tutorials and kind of figured out how to do it. And I ended up liking it so much, I kind of set myself on a uh, rigorous education routine. And for almost a year, every night and weekend, I was online training myself um, with tutorials. You can go onto the internet and find like, like iTunes University has full upper division courses from Stanford University. So I, I took those courses in programming. Uh, eventually, I got myself to a proficient level in com computer programming where I went and back to UCLA to get a certificate in app mobile development uh, specifically. And then from there, I just have been kind of continuing that as, as I go forward, just kind of keep trying to educate myself at, at all times. So that's really my, my path. Okay, thank you. Alicia, do you want to talk about the education pathway? Sure. So, so I'll talk a little bit about in general because I do a lot of hiring. So if you're interested in, in education in the informal field, you know, obviously having a background in, in any type of sciences will help. Um, but you might be surprised that, or maybe not, that communication is another huge element. So we're, you know, if you have your application come in, we're also looking for candidates that have had an opportunity to talk with the public. Um, even uh, customer service jobs. So, you know, definitely put those on your resume. If you've worked in food service, if you worked at, as, um, you know, any kind of volunteer position where you get to interact with the public, that's what we're looking for. So our job is very specialized. It's, it's hard because you have, you know, I have my zoology degree, but how do you take that zoology degree and apply it to a, a very specific um, position like education at an informal institution? You have to get out there and get a lot of volunteer 
hours in, internship hours in. Um, but that will also help you decide what you, what you like. There are a lot of things you can do with a zoology degree or marine science degree. Um, I decided to, in addition to getting my bachelor's degree, to pursue my master's degree. And I waited several years. Um, I waited like six or seven years before deciding which program suited my needs. Um, I knew I wanted to pursue informal education. And I wanted a program that allowed me to uh, focus on teaching. So my degree is, uh, was actually created for formal and informal educators. And we got to travel all around the world to learn about different conservation um, programs. I got to go to, to Kenya. I got to go to Baja to swim with whale sharks and learn about their ecotourism to save whale sharks. I was able to go to Borneo and learn about um, the palm oil conflict and how local residents are rebuilding forests um, to have sustainable communities with pygmy elephants and orangutans. And those stories are very inspiring. So I would say that there's a baseline for getting into education, and you can always look for programs that match. And there's no rush. Um, I'm super glad I waited to find a program that met my needs versus going straight from one program to the next. Everybody's path is different, but that, had, that worked out well and, and served me well in my, my current role. Um, there was a lot of uh, pushing out of my comfort zone, and I think that that is something that your career should challenge you in and that allows you to continue to grow in your career. Thanks, Chris. You have a very technical job as well here at the aquarium. Do you want to tell these folks how one could get into that or the path that you took? Yeah, sure, I'd be happy to. Um, the life support department actually um, does a lot of different Things. They have a lot of different duties, and so we're doing everything from scuba diving to turning wrenches uh, to troubleshooting controls to coding uh, for our building computer um, to all kinds of other little different duties. So there's a lot of different niches um, that can be filled there, and even though I have a marine biology degree um, and a chemistry minor, I'm really doing math and chemistry a lot during the day. And that doesn't sound very exciting sometimes, but honestly, I would think, gosh, I'm never going to use this. I'm, never, I'm in this chemistry class. I'm never going to use this. I use it every day. And I'm using math, uh, still equations that I'm still trying to figure out every day. And, uh, but I mean, the people who we're hiring um, are anybody from mechanical engineers to biologists um, to, uh, you know, we have a few people that came from the maritime industry. Um, and they all do great, and they have their own little niche in the job. Um, so it's, it's important that you can, you know, work with electrical, you can also scuba dive, you can plumb, you can, you know, do all kinds of design of uh, new systems. So there's a, there's a lot there, um, and it's a pretty wide range of things you can do uh, to get into my field. So you're not narrowed down to just one thing. You don't have to be a mechanical engineer uh, to be a life support technician or, or a marine biologist. So. Mm -hmm. And you actually have... A a support program, a certificate program that you're actually hosting right now, right? For people to get continuing education? That's right, that's right. There's an annual conference, it's called ALSO. It's uh, Aqu Aquatic Animal Life Support Operators. Uh, it's an annual um, symposium where people from zoos and aquariums and institutions and, and vendors, the people who sell all the equipment to us, all get together. Uh, we have workshops and teach each other how to uh, work with the life support equipment and how to design, design new things. and. It gives us all a chance to get together and, and figure out our problems together. And, and we're hosting it this year in Long Beach. The last time we hosted it was 20 years ago when I first started here. 
Um, and we're hosting it at the Queen Mary across the bridge. So apologize for getting here late. That's, uh, that's why I was having trouble getting over the bridge this morning. That's great. And one, one thing that I guess I would comment on, and uh, I think Chris would probably share the same sentiment I went over and spent some time at the Queen Mary, is the, uh, the aquarium world is not a competitive one. It's a very supportive one. We, we don't compete with the Monterey Bay Aquarium. We support each other. So if we learn something, it's a really open flow of ideas and sharing, which is a really supportive industry to work in. Yeah, okay. The next question for Erica, um, what are your responsibilities and daily tasks at the aquarium? I know you've talked a little bit about it. If you want to expand on some of the detail of what you do. Are you guys ready to get bored? <laughs> <laughs> My daily duties are come into the office, make sure everybody has approved what needs to be approved in regards to invoicing. What we do is we, send, we receive the invoices via mail or email. I send them out to get approved, which means the authorized signer approves it, it is coded, and then when it's returned, we process it. We verify to make sure that they have the correct coding on there. Make sure that also it is within their budget. I also do a lot of budgeting with a lot of the departments here. So those are the first things we do. I also have an assistant who has helped greatly. We also have purchase orders from the gift store that system is completely different because we have receivings, packing slips, purchase orders. We all have to connect to the invoice, make sure that all the items are correctly at cost, average cost, last cost. We have to make sure that all that is correct. If not, we have to make sure that there's adjustments done. We process that. And once every month, we cut checks, which is our large aging. And we get those signed off and sent out in the mail. That's pretty much it. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Jason, do you want to walk us through a day in your life? Sure. Um, so I, I'm, I'm usually almost constantly checking our app and website analytics and making sure that we're not seeing any crashes, especially for the app. If there is, then I jump on that right away. Um, I'm usually more project-based, so uh, working on adding new features to our app or um, right now, I'm building out a kiosk the, for our new Pacific Visions. Um, we're going to be adding a little uh, kiosk that's going to go near the front door that'll give you information about each of the tiles and who, who donated and what message they put on each tile. So that's a big project I'm working on right now. Um, and it's really just kind of whatever is coming up. And we, I have kind of a, a big list of projects to work on. And it's just about which projects need to be done first is what I'm working on that day. So. Uh, that's about it, just programming. Okay. Felicia, same question. Yeah, so there are a lot of different education programs, and my role is to support the people that help run those programs. So, uh, for example, today we have several thousand students in for classroom spaces. We use our theater as a space. We have five other um, we have in total five other on-site spaces. We have an outreach program that goes to schools. We have video conferencing that happened this morning, so we were connecting. We have a studio that connects to anywhere, uh, I mean, really around the world. They were connecting to students in Canada this morning, and they have a green screen, and they use our live webcams to, to host um, programming. So it's, it's off-site and on-site. 
um, that happen. So my role, you know, I can come in and I could meet with staff. Um, I have interviews this week. I have staff training. Um, I can, you know, we have meetings this week about creating new programs, um, updating programs, making sure that uh, our learning objectives are being met through some of the, the things that we create. Um, I could be, I have grants that I help manage, so funding. We have funders as a nonprofit that come in. So being able to write and communicate with those funders, keep them updated. Um, creating a program and, and an idea and then finding a funder to help support and then delivering that, which can include you know, free field trips for, for students or, or resources is very exciting for me. So my days are, are quite varied. I also just support the education department. So if there's a call that comes in and they need help at Shark Lagoon, I'm running out there to help. I'll get on the microphone and talk about sharks. They need someone to do a behind-the-scenes tour. <laughs> That's it. That's me. I'm a behind-the-scenes tour. We have staff that do that, but um, I'm in a position that, you know, any, anywhere around our education department that last minute they need a hand to support, um, I'm, I can also jump in and help in that aspect. So my day is quite varied. Chris, do you want to tell us about the day of a life support operator? Uh, yeah, sure. You know, I've been here almost 19 years, and I'll say not, there hasn't been two days that have been the same. Um, the, the duties that we have and, and all the different things that we have to take care of every day are so different. But I will tell you, I try to start my day out um, by checking in with my technicians. We're here 24 hours a day, every single day. Since we've opened, there's been a life support technician here at the aquarium. Um, and so I always check up with uh, whoever's on duty and making sure everything's okay. I go to our building computer and I go look at all of the system parameters to make sure everything's running right. Um, and then I wanted to check in with the life support supervisor to make sure he's got all my guys on track to make sure they're taking care of the work orders and the projects that they need to take care of. Uh, then I go check in with my boss to see if he's got any extra duties for me, which he always does. <laughs> and, uh, and then, I, and I move on to either project work, uh, designing new systems, uh, scuba diving, or, or whatever it may be. Um, we're in you know, uh, close uh, you know, uh, communications with the husbandry staff, and sometimes they might have something they might need. And uh, life support is always there to support husbandry to make sure that we're taking care of anything, anything they need. They might say, hey, I, I need some temperature change on this, or I, I want to design something new, and can you, can you help me with this? And, and we're always there to support a husbandry. I think that's very important. So the daily duties are, was that, uh, anyway, I'll push it away. Um, so the daily duties are always uh, pretty dynamic, but I try to get those things done every day. Yeah. Right. Thank you, Chris. I think, I think one of the really cool things about working at Aquarium, because we have plenty of people other than the four panelists that do even wildly different things, and some of those are, are very, um, you know, relatable to other jobs, and uh, they might just sit at their desk all day or be in meetings all day, but the, the cool thing is that when the stress level gets high, you can just walk out into the aquariums, and it's just such a relaxing time to, to, to spend time and see the animals, watch the animal behaviors, and uh, that just kind of resets you, and then you can go back and plug away at what you're doing. At least that's my perspective. Mm -hmm. um, Erica, do you want to tell us uh, some of the challenges you face in pursuing your career, especially related to STEM? Sure. Uh, one of the biggest challenges I had was when we had clubs. Uh, I'm a lot older than you guys. Not by much. <laughs> but. <laughs> 
it was mostly boys or, or men. And it was just really awkward being the only girl there. And they kind of left you out. So it, it was a, you always had to prove yourself just a little bit more, or just a little bit extra. Make sure that they didn't think that this was a little dumb girl uh, just coming in to talk to the boys kind of deal. Uh, so that was one of the, the challenges I had, had to face in high school. And I always felt like I had to prove myself just that one extra bit. So that was, I think, the hardest thing. Other than that, the challenges were maybe financial, you know, financial aid. I made sure I filled everything out. Scholarships to try to get where you need to go. Uh, just always make sure that you volunteer and you try other things just to make sure that you know what you want to do. Might not always be exactly what you feel like it is, but once you get into it and get involved just a little bit more, you'll know, you'll feel it. It's that little comfort that you feel when you're, when you're doing, you know, you're riding your bike, you're doing that one exercise that you love, you're working out. And it feels good, and that was math for me. I, I loved it, I loved doing it. Exercise is not my thing, sorry. <laughs> But <laughs> sitting behind a desk all day is. I, I love doing it. I love making sure that the staff here is comfortable enough to know that the bills are getting paid and everything is going as, as going. So that's pretty much Good answer. Uh, Jason, how, how about this? If you want to tell us any challenges in, in the pursuit of your career or also any day-to-day -day challenges that you may have. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, I think the, the big challenges in, in getting into the career was um, trying to get into it while also having a full-time job doing something else. I was in the marketing department, so um, really the big challenge getting in there was having to learn and teach myself on nights and weekends um, and then Getting, uh, getting recognized for what I do know and getting um, that career going on the side. So um, luckily enough, I, the management here gave me that chance to show them that I can do it here. And uh, I was able to kind of create this position for myself. Um, on a day-to-day -day challenge of my job uh, is that the technology I work with is always changing. So. Um, one of the programming languages I use to make our iOS app is relatively young. It came out only in 2015, uh, maybe it was 16. And so they're constantly making new improvements and stuff, but every time they do, it breaks everything, and I have to go back and figure out what it broke and how to fix it. Um, one of our older uh, online web apps was written in an old programming language about 10 years ago, and we upgraded our website, and then it broke, and so now I have to go and figure out what's wrong with that. and. Uh, you know, and then every year some company comes out with something new, you know, a AR was really big and so now it's, okay, and now we got to learn how does AR work and how does that go into the languages I know and, and all that. So it's always just a kind of constant struggle of learning and keeping up with all the new trends, which is a, almost a full-time job in itself. I could, I could see that as a real challenge. Technology is almost obsolete by the time you learn it, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it keeps you on your toes. Alicia, do you want to talk about challenges either in your career or in your day-to-day? -day? Yeah, sure. So I will admit, um, unlike it sounds like many people at this table, uh, math was, was not a strong point for me. But I was really interested in going into zoology. And I, you know, I saw my class list when I first got into college, and it was just so much math. 
and math, of course, supports so many of the other sciences. It's, you know, we say STEM is a field, and we can, we can parcel it out, but really everything is very interconnected. But that also turned out to be the good thing. When I sought out extra help and I started to get into my classes, having math applied to some of the other fields was very helpful. It provided context and you know statistics, but learning about statistics when you're studying an animal can be really helpful. So I would say that my advice to you, if, if one of those areas you're, you're a little hesitant but you still want to go into the field, just get extra help. You know, it, it, it took me kind of swallowing my pride a little bit and admitting that uh, math wasn't exactly my strong point. And then you can just build on it. Uh, from day to day, uh, you know, I kind of alluded to this before, my job is very fast paced, but that's also why I love my job. So what challenges me also helps me grow. So um, my, my day can be stressful because of that fast pace, but it, it also, the day goes by really quickly. And uh, you know, it's, it's also really fun. So if you can kind of balance those out, I think um, that the environment I work in can be a lot of fun for you. Chris, same question. Challenges getting to where you are in your career and day-to-day -day challenges. Uh, I really have to echo what Alicia said. Um, you know, I, I struggle a lot with math and I struggled a lot with chemistry. And here I am using math and chemistry every day uh, here at the aquarium. And she, I mean, she said it right. I mean, I, I struggle with it, but as soon as you start applying it to exactly what you're working with, you're like, oh my God, this makes total sense. And, uh, and I'm glad that I struggled with it. Funny that I, I got a minor in chemistry after hating <laughs> chemistry so much. Uh, I really got the hang of it towards the end and I started enjoying it. Um, but you know, challenges day to day, I think mostly are, are trying to determine, we're doing a lot of troubleshooting here at the aquarium, trying to find out what the problems are. We're trying to find out what is making this animal behave like this or what's making the water this color or why are we seeing this level of chemical in the water? And there's so many things that you would just, just figure you would assume are happening. And that's where you have to take away those things. And you have to think outside the box. And amazingly enough, there's a lot of things that you think are happening that aren't. And that slows you down. So don't always assume things are happening when you're trying to solve problems. And we try to struggle with that every single day. Um, luckily, we have a lot of talented people that we can all get our heads together and, uh, and figure things out. Sometimes we don't, but sometimes we do. And uh, it's a great feeling. Right, and the last question I want to ask each of you is what advice do you have for the students in this room that uh, have ambition to have a career in the STEM field? Erica. Why am I always first? <laughs> <laughs> As I said before, math is my comfort. Uh, just stick to what you like to do. I think uh, in regards to the STEM program, it is a great path. Make sure that you know what you want to do. Take the classes. If you don't like it, move on. Always ask for help. Make sure that you know that there's always something better out there for you. Don't just settle for something. And I think math, like all of our panel has said before, it's in everything we do in, in our everyday life. Whether you like math or not, it's there. <laughs> but I think just following what you, what you love to do. 
is it's what's making it is what will make you happy at the end. Do you have any advice, Jason, for this group? Um, as far as going into uh, programming, I, I would say just don't be scared of it. Um, one thing that was almost a roadblock for me is you know I hear programming and I I look at like finished code and I go that looks like gibberish and I don't want to even bother. But once you if you take it slow, learn the basics, it's actually not as scary as it looks. And once you start, you'll kind of pick up pretty quickly whether it's for you or not. Like if you're if you like it, you like the challenges, you like the problem solving of it, then you'll you'll pretty quickly understand whether it's going to be for you. So I'd say if you're even considering it, just go and try it. Just even go to an online site and just start at the very beginning and see how you feel, and then just keep at it. I, I really like that advice and echo it. There's, I mean, personally, there's been so many things that I was nervous about or anxious about, whether it was education or a job or an opportunity. Um, but once you get into it, you always either you have support structure, you have training programs, and you know, a year later, you're like, I can't believe I was nervous or even considered not doing this because it intimidated me. I think that's great advice. Alicia? Yeah, same. Take risks. Uh, I didn't think I was going to be able to speak in public, but it, you use communication skills in, in every career. And I would say just get out there, take risks. And you know what? If, you ch if it turns out that you, you try something and you don't like it, that's a learning opportunity you know, to steer in the other direction. That's still a data point for you. So I found out I didn't like working in a lab, and that was good. I m maybe would have jumped into another career and always thought, man, I could have worked in a lab. That would have been great. But I tried it, and I, and I found out I, I didn't like it. And that's, that's the benefit of just going out there and, and taking some risks. Yeah. Chris, do you have some advice for the young people? Yeah, I would say once you figure out what you want to do, or at least you think you're interested in something, I would say find other people in your class who enjoy that too. Reach out. I mean, these days, I mean, OK. I'm dating myself. There was no internet really when I was back then. You couldn't find other people who liked what you like to do. Find those people, talk to them, join the club, whatever it may be. These people you will communicate with as you grow older. These people will get jobs other places. You'll still be friends. These will provide avenues for you to get jobs. The more people you know, the more interest you have, the more people know you. And uh, I think that will really help. And my second thing is definitely, if you can, volunteer. Volunteer, volunteer, volunteer. Show interest. Show how great of a worker you are. When it comes time to hire somebody, they're going to look at you. And that's a great way to get your foot in the door. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you very much, panel. I think that was all excellent advice. Um, but I'd like to open it up for questions. Um, have you guys all been thinking about some wonderful questions for our STEM panel? And just uh, raise your hands, and I'll, uh, I'll bring a microphone to you so we can all hear you. We just want to hear you. OK. Why do you guys? Why do you guys think the animals are better off here than the ocean? 
Well, I, I can feel that one. I, I, I don't think anybody thinks that they're better off here. I think it's important for us to, to understand them, to, to learn from them. To uh, There's so many projects that we can support by working with animals outside of their, their habitats and apply that, to, especially to species who are struggling to survive in their natural habitat. Um, so I think it's I think there's a world where it's good to have both and it's good to connect to people There's we have animals in our collection that, that I, I guarantee that, that nobody would ever be able to see in person um, Because they, they would be almost impossible to find even if you're a recreational scuba diver So um, we, we think that connection connecting people to the ocean is very important connecting young people Because we think that if you can make that connection with the ocean that you're more likely to do things to help protect it, and that's what we all need to be a part of. You guys have anything to add to that? Yeah, I'd like to add just a little bit that a lot of our animals here at the aquarium have been um, washed up on shore, and they're almost dead, and they get rehabilitated, and then they're not able to be released back into the wild. If you put them right back out on the beach, they're not going to make it, and they can't feed themselves, or they can't take care of themselves. Either they can't fly, or they can't swim, or, or they're too connected with people in some way and they're better off here. And if we can have, you know, give them a great life and, 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 and you know, teach the people, um, you know, and, and I think that would, I think that makes a better, better life for them. And you know, from the education standpoint, we have people that visit the aquarium. We have um, children that visit the aquarium. They live here in Long Beach and they've never seen the ocean. And so coming to the, having scholarship funds to come to the ocean to see these animals, and, and hopefully it's the same thing for you, it inspires you to care and to conserve. And being able to display what our habitats should, should look like if they were, you know, they, we take very good care of our animals, these pristine habitats, what we aspire in our natural habitats. So having um, kind of a, a working laboratory really to show people um, how amazing these animals are and that we should care um, is, is truly a benefit of having spaces like ours. Anybody else? Do we have some more questions? Yes. So I'm looking to graduate from college in a few months, and I'm, it's kind of scary to, as a STEM major, go out and make the next step to finding a career. So how do you feel, I'm trying to think, like, how do you go out and make that next step in applying for jobs and looking at different places? Like, what was that like for you guys? Panelists? <laughs> I think it's much different now. When I did it, you know, there was no internet to search. There was, you know, um, we would go to the college boards where people would post, hey, we have a job, you know, in a laboratory down the street for this much an hour, if you're interested, rip off this number and call it. Um, and so for me, it was that. And it was who you knew and where they were working. And, and maybe I can get a job there, too. Um, it's much, much different now. But uh, you know, like today, uh, I was over at the Life Support Conference, and they have a job board where it's just a big board. And people from all over zoos and aquariums will you know, staple up their, their position, their open position. And then you can call them and doing things like that. So symposiums where everyone gathers together. There's lots of times where there's jobs, job boards up. Um, and just, just connecting with other people in the field. Um, you know, any of your professors, uh, anybody they're working with, 
you know, just reach out to them. You know, a lot of people are nervous to talk until you start talking about the same thing. And if you guys are interested in the same thing, you guys are going to be friends immediately. So I, it's just all about talking to those people in your field. Mm -hmm. I would say uh, look for internships, look for volunteer opportunities. Again, you can kind of shuffle through what you like and um, make connections. Maybe those connections can, can hire you later. You know, we have a lot of volunteers here at the aquarium and they sometimes apply and get hired in. I was one of those people. I've worked every job in the education department. <laughs> so as long as you're willing to put your foot in the door, doesn't, you know, if you're aiming here, it's okay to start here and just letting, letting yourself be okay with starting at the volunteer space. And, it, you know, you're kind of interviewing that organization at the same time as they're, they're assessing you. And you'll, f you'll probably find a lot of internships can be very flexible. Um, the, the, the employers know that you're not getting financial compensation. So with that comes the flexibility if you need to have a second job. I, I, would, uh, I would take those risks, especially if it's only for like a three-month period like mm -hmm. some of our internships. You can meet a lot of people in three months. And those people, like Chris mentioned earlier, who even though they're working for free, treat it as one of the most serious things they're doing. Uh, the, that, the, the, the people that you're working with will really respond to that, and they're going to be more apt to write a letter of recommendation or to introduce you to people and plug you into that, that network that I think is necessary. More, I saw some more hands, yes. Uh, how about you, and then I'll, I'll come to you next. Okay. Was there ever a moment um, where you guys, where your job was so hard that you guys just wanted to quit? <laughs> yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> audit. <laughs> when you work in finance, uh, every year your financials get audited. And so there's an auditor there for two weeks with a microscope checking everything that you do. And I think that is the most stressful two weeks of my life, other than giving birth. <laughs> um, it, it's hard to have someone come and look at all your stuff, all your paperwork, and be like, why'd you do this? Why did you do that? How come this happened? And you have to have an answer. And even though it's been six months, eight months, you need to make sure you remember why you did this, why this happened. And you have to have an answer. And this is why I love math, because it's straightforward. It's either A or B. You either did it right or you did it wrong. And when the auditor comes in, you need to make sure that you know what you're doing. So when those two weeks happen, I'm stressed out. And yeah, it, it, it's hard, but just as long as you're prepared for it, because you know it's coming. It's not like it's a surprise. They don't show up at the door and be like, today. So it, it is difficult, but you work through it, just as long as you know what you're doing. And, and for me, I've, I've had times where I'm writing a program and I'll try to run it and it won't work and it won't work and I'll get so frustrated and all I'm going home and it's like time for bed and I'm laying in bed and then, oh, that's what it is. And so I'll come in very excited the next day like, oh, I figured it out. Here we go. So that happens too often. <laughs> all right. Thanks, panel. Uh Okay, so this is a question for Erica and Jason. With your degrees, why did you decide to come work at the aquarium? 
well, actually, I, I was already working at the aquarium. I had gone, I had gotten into the marketing department, and that's I was already working here when I kind of went back and pursued my programming degree. Um, and I, I the reason I was here was just because it, it's I've I've been a Long Beach citizen for my whole life, um, and I've the aquarium has always kind of been a, a a staple of Long Beach. So working here was a great opportunity, and I also really care about the message of conservation and and what we do here for the environment, especially. Um, and so I was already kind of working at a place I loved, and I wanted to get more into the field that I loved as well. And luckily, I was able to do that here. Thank you. been neglecting the side of the room. Here you go. Um, so as um, us students and you professionals, I know we both share one very one common thing, and is that we get stressed like very often and very easily. <laughs> so I'm just curious, as professionals, how do you guys deal with the stress? Like what routines or rituals do you guys have to? I have a, I have a really big pillow that I yell into. <laughs> So nobody can hear me screaming. Uh, you know, when there's many instances in, in my position where there's water squirting out of these pipes, and then all of a sudden there's almost an electrical fire right there, and then the power shuts off, and then you're getting radio calls from four other people, and there's not enough of you to go around to take care of everything, and you need to prioritize, and you start to freak out. All those times that that happened over all the years really make you who you are. It, the more it happens to you, the more you become callous to it, the more you understand how to prioritize, the more you realize that if I keep calm, I can figure this out a lot faster than if I freak out. And it takes those moments. You need those moments, and you need it to happen on a regular basis, and then you know to control it, and you know what to do right further down the line. So it's those kind of instances that make you who you are. And it's funny because we'll have something like that where something will happen and then a newer technician will be bouncing around going, I don't know what to do. And you'll see some of the other guys just be like, all right, let's think about this. And the water will still be squirting, but look, let's figure this out. We can't run around with our heads cut off. So I think it's those moments that help, help make you who you are and help you understand that it's going to be easier next time. Else want to add to that? That was a really good answer, Chris. Yeah, that's a great answer. I'll, I'll add to that. Um, one thing I like to do is just be, if I'm ever feeling extra stressed out, I, I will take time to like be mindful of my breathing. And it, it sounds very simple, but it is really helpful just to sort of meditate and kind of turn off your mind for even if it's like two minutes, just focus on your on breathing slowly and like resetting. It's just like restarting a computer if it's getting overloaded just restart and it helps just taking two minutes just to breathe slow it helps a lot we have time for a few more questions uh all right we got these two right here and then i'll come to you and that might be it so my question is for the women um for a field that i think is considered male dominated um, how proud do you feel being able to do what you do and like do it good? <laughs> so I think in, in the biological sciences, yes, there's, um, 
there's, there's actually a little bit, I would say, than considering like computer sciences and math and engineering, there, there are definitely more women in biological sciences. And believe it or not, in informal education, there are proportionally a lot more women who are educators um, in this. But I, that doesn't mean I don't feel proud to represent science. And I feel that, um, as I said before, personally, I had a lot of doubt um, achieving this. I, you know, I didn't feel like I was very good at math, and um, I didn't really, I, I kind of heard that kind of echoing, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, you're not great at math. But, and it just took kind of believing in myself. So I would say, even if I wasn't pursuing um, a, an avenue of the sciences that weren't um, male-dominated, I think it's just important to believe in yourself, and um, that whatever challenges you face will um, help empower you, I think. You can probably speak to that a little bit better. Yeah, there, there, there will be challenges. Again, like the struggles I had in high school where it was mostly male, and you felt like you had to prove yourself twice over just to make sure you get heard. It's just being confident. Educate yourself. Make sure you know what you're talking about. Make sure you know your stuff, pretty much. And that'll always come through. And that confidence will exude every time you speak, every time you turn in your work. and It'll just make you a better person knowing that those challenges are out there and you're going to have to face them and face them head on. And that'll always come out when, you, when you're there. Positive, know what you need to know, and confident. Uh, I'd like to add just one thing to that. Um, when aquariums began way back when, they, uh, the, the person who would take care of the fish were called tank men, and that was just the title of the job. And eventually that, that title became aquarist. And here at the Aquarium of the Pacific, our aquarists and their managers, we have 18 out of 21 are women. So that's a, a big change and shift in the, in the field. What is, what is your favorite marine animal? <laughs> Erica. Uh, <laughs> I think the octopus would be my favorite. Aww. She stole yours. Sorry. We can't see. The reason why I like the octopus because it has so many tentacles and I feel like that's what I'm doing every day. <laughs> Even though I sit at a desk, I have stacks of paperwork, like this is for today, this is for tomorrow, next week, and I feel like I'm always juggling the paperwork. <laughs> so extra hands would be great. And I've already been told I can't use my feet to shuffle paper. <laughs> so hands will be the only thing I need to do. <laughs> Jason? I, I like the sea lions because they kind of act like big dogs, and I love dogs, so <laughs> they're, they're super cute. Uh, I'll agree. I, I really love the, um, the, the giant Pacific octopus that um, we have here at the aquarium, although I do like some of the more obscure animals. So if you're in the northern Pacific gallery, look for the lump suckers. Mm -hmm. They're pretty cute. They're adorable. They're tiny. They look like little snot balls with um, iridescent eyes, and they zoom around like they are in charge. So there's a lot of personality that looks like they've been squished into this tiny little animal. Good answer, Chris. Uh, for me, it's the, the sea dragons. And the first time I saw them were here at the Aquarium of the Pacific. It was the last exhibit I saw. And I was like, where, where are the animals? <laughs> I just see the seaweed floating around, you know? 
And that's what they were. They, they looked just like what they are. And any animal that mimics and looks exactly like a, a leaf or a, a piece of something is just so intriguing to me. Um, and so that's, that's why uh, sea dragons are my favorite. Um, my, my background is working with jellyfish, so they have a soft spot, no pun intended, in my heart. And uh, they're, uh, they're just beautiful, graceful, fragile, very challenging to work with, and uh, I just got a lot of joy out of spending time working with them. So this, can you hear me? Am I talking into the mic? Yes. <laughs> This question's for Jason. Um, like, since you're kind of self-taught and you learned on your own time, I wanted to know if you were ever like discouraged or you came home and you were just like, I don't want to learn today. Like, and you just gave it. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, there's, especially when it's dealing in one of these kind of technology areas. There's just there's so much to learn, and I would kept I kept going back and. It would just be like someone would mention something that I'd never heard of, and I'd have to go research what that is, and then that mentions something I'd never heard of, and it just certain times I just get overwhelmed and just be like, "There's just there's too much, there's just too much." But it's really just just keeping with it and just you know not expecting myself to learn it all in one one day or week or month, but that it's going to be a process is the is the biggest thing to kind of keep an eye on the bigger picture. So, yeah. Hey, thanks everyone. I think that's all that we have time for today. Our panelists, <laughs> our panelists. If they, uh, if do you have a few minutes? If there's any questions, one-on-one -on -one questions, anybody wanted to come up and ask you, but they'll be up here for just a few minutes. If anybody wants to come talk uh, with them, I'll stick around too. And um, other than that, thanks and enjoy the rest of your visit at the aquarium.